looking to learn more on how to build wealth through real estate? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Make Money Make Sense podcast with Dante Belmonte. Each episode, we have the privilege to bring you a professional in the real estate world. One that will help you become a top investor, whether that's a passive role or managing the day-to-day. Let's jump right in. Alrighty, guys, welcome to another episode of Make Money Make Sense. I'm your host, Dante Belmonte, joined with my co-host, DJ Smith. Uh, real quick, this episode is going to be a little bit different. We're going to be doing a, a shorter episode. It's going to be a multi-part series of basically an acquisition that we're proceeding on at the moment. My voice also sounds a little bit raspy. I'm getting over a, a, a cold at the moment. I'm on the tail end of it, so uh, I'm all congested a little bit, but I still had to come here, bring you guys the content, and tell you what we're talking about. But with that, DJ, how are you doing? I'm doing really well. Uh, I think health-wise, maybe just a tick better than you. Just a tick. <laughs> and I'm, I'm glad you actually pointed out the voice thing because uh, I, I was hoping you weren't just going to glean over it. It's a little bit obvious, Yes, uh, but I think everybody will roll with us and that they'll appreciate the really cool tone that you're yes, coming exactly. out with in this meeting. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I guess let's start real quick before we actually start this first episode of this multi-episode podcast that we're doing. Series. Here, series. series. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Um, let's talk a little about an update of what we are doing and kind of what stage we are at. If you want to go ahead and kind of start with that real quick, I think that'd be great. Yeah. So this was actually Dante's idea. Uh, we decided to go down this syndication path and... Dante said, we should share with everybody where we're at in our journey, what we found. We believe we've done some really good stuff. Not only do we believe it, but we certainly check with industry experts, experienced syndicators, uh, and we learn from them. We network with them. We have done a lot of reading, a lot of education, professional training, and so on. Uh, and we're happy to report that we're experiencing success. This success, I think, is due to having accountability, the two of us working together. It's due to having the right education and, and skills and recognizing where our weaknesses are and building on that. And what we wanted to do, even though we are, I'll say, still relatively new at doing this because we're experiencing success. Sometimes when I hear from more experienced syndicators, they're so far down their journey. Uh, while we appreciate everything that they pour in from us and everything we can learn from them, sometimes it's hard to relate to them when they're acquiring units that are 200, 250, or in a recent case, somebody we know that uh, just acquired uh, 460 unit property. Uh, it's hard to start in that space. Uh, so we're happy to report. We have a uh, 36 unit under contract and we wanted to, or excuse me, that we have an accepted letter of intent. We're going to talk through all of this, how this process works, where exactly we are at in the process. We want to be clear that this is not a solicitation. This is uh, educational purposes only, uh, and just share with people how to acquire 
a multifamily commercial property and where we're at in our journey and, and where we're headed. And we're going to turn this into a little mini series with today, starting out with how do we begin the evaluation process and getting to an accepted letter of intent? Did right. I capture yeah. that? Yep. No, yeah, you did a great job. And for those that are listening, you're saying, well, well, you don't have a executed PSA. Well, that's correct. You know, at any point, this deal could fall through either, you know, A, it, it isn't marketed right now. So maybe someone else could come around somehow and offer something higher than us. And they can say, okay, we have a, a non-binding LOI sign, but we don't have a purchase and sale agreement signed with you guys. We're negotiating that at the moment. So it could fall, uh, fall apart there. We can go to due diligence. It could fall apart there as well. That's we may the kill point. the deal. Right, exactly. We may kill the deal, but that's not the point. Yeah. The point here is, you know, we're offering the education and kind of keeping uh, people that keep up with us, our, our path of progress on this. And uh, DJ, I think you did a great job on the update. And uh, let's dive into the, you know, the first episode of basically evalu- finding and evaluating. So, right. And Dante, I do want to just briefly touch on um, our backgrounds just real oh, yeah. quick. Yeah. Uh, how you got into this, how we came together. I'll touch upon mine. Just replaying where we came from and everybody's story is different. So what you'll find through this is that Dante and I have certain strengths and weaknesses. For example, I tried flipping homes. I wasn't good at it, not because I can't flip a house, but because I didn't operate real well and have the right strategies in place in the single family home space to compete with everybody out there doing it. Right. And I I might as well just jump in and say, I like the syndication space because I came out of the environmental field. I was an engineer. I was a project manager, big projects where attorneys are involved and things like that. I'm comfortable operating in that space. And that's a lot of what syndication is about. Yep. So that's, that's my brief half of the story. And Dante, why don't you talk about your past experience and why you decided to do it? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was really it started out with selling real estate, then investing in, you know, smaller real estate, uh, you know, two to four unit multifamily, single families. I was doing a lot of that. And I, I realized that to, to scale was going to take forever and there had to be another way. And that's when I kind of found out about the syndication method. And, and when we linked up together, because I knew you were, you know, diversified in X amount of hundreds of units through syndication. And so we wanted to tackle that together. And let it be known that DJ, you know, to the audience, we've been doing this together since July of 2020. So it's almost been a year that we've started educating ourselves, building those relationships and, you know, talking with other syndicators. And I think that's huge and building our team and we've done a phenomenal job and that's why we're starting to get success. Right. And uh, so in my real estate journey didn't begin just a year ago, it began with you. Uh, I did, because I do, I don't have my real estate license. Dante does. Um, however, I did get formal training in real estate investment. Uh, I bought into the Fortune Builders program. Uh, I think it's a it's a great program. It's not cheap, uh, and it launched me on my journey. It's gotten helped to get me where I'm at today. So I'm not here to talk about pros and cons of Fortune Builders. I've developed some great relationships. Uh, and that's a separate discussion that I'm willing to talk to anybody about with regard to my experience there. There's some incredible people. I think they have great ethics and integrity. Um, and that's where I received my formal 
real estate training. I am a real estate professional. I qualify as a real estate professional because I am doing this full time. And I really started my journey passively uh, doing some private money loans with some experienced syndicators to learn from them. My, my investing has been strategic. I've done a lot of it out of my retirement. And now I own, uh, well, Victory Capital Group. We own about 800 uh, units passively through syndications. Again, some of that lending strategic. Now, I'm a little bit older. I'm in my early 50s. Uh, I point that out to say some people like Dante, who's, you know, just out of high school. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> feels like it. <laughs> uh, so Dante's, Dante's still in his early 20s, um, done a ton of stuff and, uh, you know, really an incredible mind my partner has. And that's why I'm with him. Um, it, but it's not like Dante had a couple of decades, three maybe, to build up some income, to do a lot of passive investing. So we, we come at this from two opposite ends of the spectrum. That's our journey. It's about figuring out your strengths and weaknesses, looking for somebody that you can work well with and starting to build your network. And we're going to touch upon Dante, I think, building our network here in a little bit on how important that is because you can't do this alone. And, and part of my single family experience was learning that, that I can't do it alone. Uh, and I've always been kind of a, I guess, a rebel do it alone guy. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and you're going to have to trust people and you're going to have to build your team and build your relationships and, uh, you know, be true to your values if you want to stick it out uh, in this environment. Exactly. Well, let's kind of get started with what we're doing early on in this process. So to kind of skip a little gap of where we started over in July of last year, but kind of is speeding up. We did a lot of research to figure out what markets we wanted to uh, have presence in and, and start to uh, look into. And we ended up in your backyard uh, in North Carolina, Charlotte, right. and in those secondary tertiary markets. So yeah, we'll just, we'll call it the Carolinas. <laughs> exactly. We'll call it the Carolinas. Yeah. And what we did once we identified this market was we wanted to start building relationships with the brokers. And I think that plays a huge piece into how we were able to get awarded this deal. So, you know, something I'm on in New York, DJ, you're in the Carolinas. Uh, I took a few trips, flew down a few times to stay with DJ and start meeting with these brokers, taking them out to lunch, coffee, dinner, uh, property tours, whatever that is to get in front of these individuals because. But it actually started before that. Right. Because Dante started to research the brokers in the area. And right. Call the players. Them, yeah. Right. And not only that, he said, I'm going to fly down there. I'm going to get in front of you. You're going to recognize my face and I'm going to yep. be back. And Dante's been true to all of that. When he says he's going to email, he emails. When he says he's going to come down, he comes down. It's true. It's true. I make, I make the, the hike. Even if I can't get on the plane last minute, I have to hop in a car and drive 10 hours because that happened once. But th that, was, that was the point, DJ, is you know, I sent out hundreds of emails to these brokers and you started to figure out who are the big players, who are the smaller ones. And it really didn't matter who was big or small, it was build a relationship with all of them. And so that's really what I did. You know, I started going to these websites, you know, different loop nets and, and connecting the dots to figure out who is who and who's on these teams. And certain brokers we resonated with. Yes. Oh yeah. Right? And, a... and others we didn't. Mm-hmm. 
you tend to do business with people that, you know, look you like you like have the trust. same. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's absolutely true. Now I, I say that I tend to like everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm one of those people that uh, I, I don't know if they like me, that's a different story. And, you know, we can ask them that, but right. Right. Um, there are certainly certain people that after Dante and I met with them were like, you know, this person I think can really help us. This is the most, most normal one we've met with today. You know, like we said that. Yeah. You know, look, we're, we're people. So let's just get it out there. Um, I, I don't say this from a, a judgment standpoint at all. Um, I, I'm not in a position to be judging anyone. Uh, you know, we liked everybody that we met with. There were certain people that we just felt for whatever reasons, uh, personality type, their work ethic, their journey, uh, things we had heard about them and whether or not they were willing to take the time with us was right, a really, huge. was a really big one. Right. Some people, it felt like, yeah, I'm just going to meet with these guys and they're new and yeah, whatever. See, exactly. But you know, keep in mind, these brokers are getting hundreds of emails, phone calls all the time from individuals like ourselves, bring us a deal. What do you have going on? What do you have coming to market? And we really had to show ourselves in a different, shut ourselves in a different light. So that's when I, you know, I emailed these people, introduced who we are, what we're looking for. And hey, I'd like to fly out and come and meet you in person, shake your hand um, in the middle of COVID, that is too. <clears throat> and how did we dress? Uh, very good. I mean, we were in, you know, basically professional. Suits. Yeah. 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 Presentation was pretty big too. You know, always very professional. Not that we don't present ourselves professionally in other standpoints. Yep. We always do, but we just made sure in the situation, you know, blazers, you know, button up, take it up a notch. Pants. It's yeah. not going to hurt. Right. It, it, either they're going to be the dress as the same as you or a little bit less. And even if they are dressed a little bit less, they're going to respect you just because of your, you know, your presentation, how presentable yeah. you look to them. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Let me grab some water here. Yeah. So, the, so well, Dante clears phlegm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's, it's important to present yourself uh, in a professional manner. We didn't swear. Um, you know, it was interesting to hear about their backgrounds. You know, there's oh, yeah. the, there's so many people out there teaching about, uh, skills in general, you know, the Zig Ziglar's of the world and stuff like that. So we did try to keep in mind and Dante and I, uh, reminded ourselves that, uh, we need to do some rapport building right out of the box. That was actually oh, yeah. taught in, in fortune builders, right? Just uh, with any, any form of, of sales relationship. Yeah. Yep. So Ford, uh, I know there's different acronyms, but Ford, you know, family, occupation, recreation, dreams, um, try to, you know, find that, that commonality. Um, it'll help you remember them, them remember you. So we started off our meetings, not trying to just jump into real estate, but trying yep. to build some relationship. Um, and, you know, from there, obviously we did get into the real estate discussion. Well, uh, look at, the one gentleman, you know, without, without naming names, the one gentleman who his daughter played soccer against your daughter. Yeah. You know, how about that for relationship building? Oh, you know, I have to go over here for soccer. Oh, my daughter also plays soccer. And, you know, building that relationship totally removed me from the conversation. But that's not the point. You know, other ex-individual, ex-engineers we met with. And DJ, right. you're an engineer, you know. Yep. And then me selling real estate. These guys are also selling real estate. We were able to relate in that standpoint. And just 
again, that rapport building, I think that's yeah, so fine. So, and by the way, uh, that guy's uh, daughter's team ended up playing my daughter's team, uh, right in, in the high school league this year. Uh, and so it was great seeing them there. We've now uh, become friends on Facebook. We've gone to some meetups together and look, I, I like the guy. I'd be friends with him, even if he isn't a broker, but the fact that he is a broker and we can help ourselves plus. out professionally too. I mean, that's, you know, double bonus. I've gained a friend in the process. Two birds, and, one stone. And uh, a, a commercial broker who yep. I'm quite certain will be on his early list of notifications when he finds a property that matches our buying criteria. Yep. Yep. I mean, when we're when? one step closer than the other guy, you know, the other guy mm -hmm. that hasn't flown down to see him that's in California or New York or whatever, doesn't have a daughter that's in the same soccer league, doesn't see him at soccer games. You know, DJ is going to be top of mind when it comes to that. Um, so, so again, that, that's another thing, you know, telling these brokers, we're going to do something and we do it. I'm right. going to come visit you. We're going right. to come visit you. And we did that. That's huge. But it's the, so when you meet with them, the rapport building, um, and on top of that, you know, I'd mentioned like Zig Ziglar and it, I'm not an expert on all these guys. So I pick up tidbits and, and run with it. But there are certain key points that resonate with me. And it's uh, keeping in mind and Dante and I were reminding each other that we get what we want when we help people get what they want. So in this space, Dante, I'm going to ask you a question what do these brokers want from us? We're new, right? We're meeting with them for the first time. What, what do you think those brokers were looking for from us? Well, I'll tell you one real quick. I'm going to interrupt you on that real quick. <laughs> okay. Literally, literally the gentleman we were just talking about just texted us in a group chat. Congrats on the Greensboro deal. Looks like a good one. What is the minimum investment? Like talk about rapport building top of mind. Like <laughs> that that is a I cannot make that up. It is ten twenty four as this recording, and that text was sent to me at ten o two, and it just popped up. <laughs> so talk about that rapport building, you know, on a text to text basis with these individuals. DJ, question, go again. Got distracted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'm distracted now too. I was saying we were trying to remind ourselves to uh, just make sure that we help people get what they want. So, oh yeah, and they want to sell at the end of the day. They they want to sell property at the end of the day is what it is to answer that question. I mean, mm -hmm. would you agree? I mean, what else are they looking for? They're not yeah, looking I mean, for back massage. They're looking yeah, for yeah. A, they're looking for a sale. <laughs> well, if they are, they came to the wrong place. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think they're they're trying to sniff us out for are you guys legit? Yeah, are we qualified? Are we gonna close? Because that's you know that's the that's the biggest key factor is these guys have lists of hundreds of individuals like us and they want to pick out who's going to close because if they hold up this deal and they don't close the deal, they don't get paid. They only get paid right. on the close and their reputation is also a portion of that as well. They tell the seller, I've got this great buyer I'm going to bring to the deal and that buyer doesn't perform and does not close or tries to retrade it at a grossly low price. Then the seller's going to say, you brought me this guy. Why is this happening? You're holding up my project. You're holding up my plans. It's a domino effect. Yeah. And we're going to get into this too a little bit with the LOI and the purchase and sale agreement and how that process plays out. Yep. Uh, but you know, the bottom line is, as you start to make offers on properties, you need to understand that you're basically committed and you need to make strong offers. And yep. but I don't want to go too far down that path because, you know, helping people get what they want and what they're looking for from us. Are we legit? 
So first impressions are big. That's why the first time we met with them, you know, we wanted to make sure we were dressing the part. That was us. I'm not saying right, right. people can't be successful doing it another way, but it seems to be working. But what else are they looking for from us? Well, they're trying to feel us out for, do we actually know commercial real estate? Dante and I, uh, before we started meeting with brokers, put together flashcards. We studied terminology during our little internal meetings. We questioned each other on terminology. And yep. now the terminology really flows with us. We can talk the talk. Yeah, it's a second uh, language. Yeah. I, again, are there things we don't know? Sure. Of Absolutely. Are there nuances that you know somebody may use one financial measure and somebody else something else? And will they call it something differently? And you know, it, it always gets me with regard to, uh, you know, some of the rental income and uh, some of the terms around that, because some things will be used interchangeably and, yep. and it's okay to ask for clarifications. Uh, but we, we have the language down. And I think the other thing that we're looking at is, okay, who are Dante and DJ and what have they done? And we talked to everyone a little bit about our background, so we don't have to rehash that now, but that does bring some credibility to the table. Right. Dante, having been an investor, having owned rental properties, experience with leases, property ownership, uh, multifamily, even though they were two and three unit, having his real estate license. Um, and, you know, from my standpoint, really that project management, engineering, environmental background, I, you know, I'm not afraid to work with contractors. I say this often. I it, look, I, I love contractors. They're a critical part of what we do. And I don't want this to sound negative. Contractors are usually good at doing work. And the challenge a lot of times becomes scope, schedule, budget, getting them paid, you know, making sure they don't run off with your money, those kinds of things. I have experience managing all that. And I look forward to that part of our journey, not because I necessarily like dealing with the challenges of change orders. <laughs> yeah. I just <laughs> mentioned it's never easy, but because I have experience, I look forward to leveraging that experience and doing it with excellence. And I think compared to people in the industry, uh, we can implement a process that will be as good, if not better than some of the big players out there over time. That's what I right. really look for. That's my wheelhouse, right? Exactly. So we're getting there. It, it, exactly. And, you know, just to, again, touch on, we touched on my background, but to touch on it again, is I do know what I'm doing when it comes to smaller multifamily. As of right now, year to date, I looked up the data. I'm the number one real estate agent in all of Onondaga County for two to four unit multifamily sales. That's something to be super proud of. And that's why I'm saying that. I'm not you know here to brag. I'm here to show you that, you know. Credibility. Yeah, We're, men lie, yeah. women lie, numbers <clears throat> don't lie. And the numbers right. show that I am the lead there because I put in the effort and I have the education and I educate other individuals and I add value to them. So I think that's huge. Yeah, um, absolutely. And call my partner with any real estate questions that you have, because he, he is really good. Uh, blows my mind. That. Yeah, I, I, I just, I can't tell everyone on this podcast how blessed I am uh, to have a partner like Dante. So a little Likewise, feel sir. good moment here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Dante, I want to talk about too, the, uh, the difference between, uh, you know, all these brokers and properties in the Southeast, in the Texas markets and so on. Now we really haven't delved out West uh, as much or, or Midwest as much, but the difference between upstate New York, 
both with respect to uh, multifamily properties as well yep. as the broker situation, because this I never knew. And I, I didn't learn it when I do the, did the Fortune Builders Commercial Academy and stuff. This wasn't talked about. So let's uh, pull the veil back on, on this little piece here. Yeah, let's discuss that. And so, DJ, what I want to do is discuss that, discuss how we use those relationships to find this deal. And then we're probably actually going to cut the episode and we'll make a whole nother one on analyzing LOI. Awesome. Um, just, just so we don't fill too much, pack too much into one episode. Yep. Um, so yeah, difference between multifamily brokers or brokers in general, uh, people that are practicing real estate be in the, the North versus the Southeast in a smaller market versus a bigger market. So up in upstate New York, where I am, <clears throat> these buildings that we're seeing right now in the Southeast don't really exist in the North. Like we're looking at 36 unit buildings built after 1970, 1980, the year 2000, you know, a 60 unit, 122 unit, 140 unit, those don't exist in upstate New York. And if they do, they're, they're not open to the public that they're being sold. Um, upstate New York is a much older facility or older area. And that's one of the reasons is what I found is, you know, up in the North is when population was larger. And then as the years went on towards, you know, the 60s, 70s, it started to grow more down in the South. And one of the reasons was that was in the 70s is when air conditioning was really made and that was available to the public. And when you're talking, you know, more South, more towards the equator, it's a warmer climate. It's much more uncomfortable to live there. And once AC was really created, now people were able to comfortably live there. And that's actually why population started to increase in those areas. <clears throat> that's just from dead that I've looked at. Give me one moment here. Take yep. a swig. Uh, we have a brief commercial break here as Dante <laughs> lubricates his vocal cords. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So <laughs> when those deals come about, those 10 units, those 15 units, those 20 units in upstate New York, there's not a specific multifamily broker that is selling that deal. That is someone like a residential real estate agent or a two to four multifamily unit agent like myself that I'll get a lead for and I'll give it to those investors. We're down in the South you don't see as many of those two to four units. You see a lot more of this bigger stuff. Population is also significantly higher in these MSAs, in these markets, so they can handle these larger units. And then you have brokers who specifically focus on large multifamily, like 20 units and more. They, so so <laughs> let me give you a break here for a second. I'll, yep. I'll let you continue to take fluids in. Thank you so, so much. So <laughs> I'm going to... Uh, put this yardstick up against, you know, the single family flipping uh, or, you know, maybe long-term rentals, that type of thing, even short-term rentals, the acquisition of properties in that, that kind of four unit and less world. Um, a lot of people, again, I said that that part of acquiring properties, I was not good at. I've seen people that are good at it who try to get into multifamily uh, and don't understand the marketing power of the brokers here in the Southeast. And I feel like the brokers know everybody that's out there. Now, I'm not saying you you are not going to get an off-market, a truly off-market property uh, that's a multifamily, maybe a 30 unit and stuff like that. I What I don't believe will happen, unless you get very lucky, is uh, finding a property that's not through a broker that's of the you know 150, 200 unit variety uh, here in the Southeast, because it feels to me and what I'm learning is these brokers have talked to them, all the brokers over and over and over again, it's their business. 
they don't want to let one slip through their fingers. And why would somebody go direct, uh, you know, when they can have the uh, large brokers of the world, the Marcus and Millichaps and so on. Marketing uh, machines. Yeah. Uh, and going out there and telling you what your property is actually worth. And I'm sure making really big promises on, you know, what's exactly going on in the market and maximizing your sale price. I mean, that's what the yep. brokers are out there to do, right? Exactly. So, you know, getting back, these brokers are multifamily specific. They don't do industrial. They don't, maybe they'll do mobile home park, but they won't do office. They won't do retail. They're multifamily specific. And that's all they're doing is these large deals. And it's teams. It's not one broker that'll take down a deal like in upstate New York here. It is, you know, four, five, six, seven brokers on one deal. And they're, you know, they're splitting it with the house and then with the other individuals on the team. And that's just how it works. So it's very different. And these guys, again, are marketing machines where over in upstate New York, I could probably get some pretty good leads on off-market stuff with direct mailers versus down in the South. These, you know, the amount of money these guys spend on data and info is beyond us. And tracking, know, tracking properties for years. Literally. Oh yeah. They know how long someone's owned the property for when they think they're going to sell, where their mortgage is currently at, if they have to refinance or if they have to sell. And throughout that process, they've been building these relationships with these individuals. Hey, you know, Mr. Seller, do you need some data? Oh, I know you don't need to sell for three years, but I'd still like to supply you with that data for those three years. So in year three, you know exactly who to call and when to sell. And, you know, there's big guys like uh, Cushman and Wakefield, Capstone, uh, Marcus and Millichap. Um, those, you know, those are some big players in that area. I'd probably say uh, Cushman and Wakefield and Capstone are the biggest ones are probably what I'm seeing. Let me, I've got my list here of, yeah, and we're, we're also, you know, we don't just need to be with the big players, but we're also looking for the regional guys. We got a bunch of them that we like. Yep. Um, and again, it's not a matter of whether we like them or not. They're coming up with a lot of properties. We need to be talking to every broker in the area. That's really our mentality exactly. is to make sure that we're uh, hopefully someone from every brokerage that we're talking to. And the more of those oh, yeah. relationships you can find, it's to your benefit. Because we also, Dante, finish your thought, but I think the thing we close with is how they go about marketing properties within their their definition of off-market. Exactly. So to give you guys an example, like I said, you know, Cushman, Wakefield, Capstone, Newmark's another one, Marcus Milchap, they all have their wheelhouse. You know, Newmark, for example, they specifically do 100 plus unit deals, actually 200 plus unit deals. We've seen them kind of trickle in some 80 units, but they don't, you know, not as much. Other guys like uh, Capstone, they've had stuff that's 20 units. They've had stuff that's 300 units. Cushman and Wakefield, they've got a healthy mix. Marcus and Millichap, they really focus on the you know the smaller unit count. That's their wheelhouse. That's their niche. That's what they're used to. Um, and then off market versus on market. You know, you go. There's not an MLS for these properties. You go to these brokers' websites, which I go to every single morning to see if anything new gets popped up on. When we meet with these brokers initially, we try to get on their email list. Their email list is all these properties that go on their website. They get email blasted out to us. It's like, I just got one from Marcus and Millichap, a 28 unit that just got listed. That's also on their website. But two days ago, I got an email from one brokerage that said off-market opportunity. And in the, you know, in the email body, here's the, you know, the short list of our uh, clients are getting how actually short is that list? I don't know. <laughs> it, you know, it could be everyone, but. And they're calling it off-market, but they're letting exactly. people know. <laughs> Right. But they're letting people know. So it, it's a short list, quote unquote, short list. It isn't going on their website of a 32 unit, 19 unit deal they had, um, which we're probably going to offer on the 32. 
but that that's the difference. So these off market deals don't go directly on the website. They get emailed out to the short list and uh, you know, a true off market deal is no broker, no other buyers know about it. It's just you and the seller. It's not public knowledge. The seller, you went directly to them. They're saying they want to sell to you. No one else. No one knows right. about that. That's the how most of us think of off market. Right. Right. There's no guess, broker involved. Right. right. <laughs> Joe down the street knows a guy and I'll set you up with a meeting. That's exactly. off market. Yep. In the commercial world, it's not. Right. Off market is it's not on our website, basically. And it's it's not public knowledge. It's the short list. The 200 investors we really like got it. 200 investors still got it. And they're all closers. That's why they got it. Right. So go back to what we said in the beginning, building these broker relationships. Huge. That's what we learned. Our goal needs to be is to build a lot, as many as we possibly can, broker relationships, certainly the amount that we can handle at this stage in our journey, <clears throat> people that we, we, we feel like we can trust and work with, where we can get on that short list. Yep. And the broker's goal is to market that property to their short list, their off-market list, yeah. and try to match the seller with a buyer. And why do they want to do that? They're, they're getting excuse, exclusive rights to it. And a lot of time the seller doesn't want public knowledge because they don't want property management to know they're selling. Property management will now think they're out of a job and, and not let the property perform at top performance. And then maybe they don't find a buyer that closes. It, there's a few reasons, but for one reason or another, it's going to make it either that off-market shortlist or on their website. Yeah, and, and I think there, there's a benefit too to keeping it. So all, everything Dante said, I'm not trying to contradict that. Absolutely. Right. Uh, you know, again, what we found, and certainly we're open to comments, feedback from our broker friends and, and so on. Uh, but certainly what we're learning is that these brokerage teams, uh, you know, within these larger uh, brokerage firms, if they can bring both ends of the deal without even having to open it up to, you know, everybody else, uh, even within their brokerage, you know, their brokerage still gets the deal, but then their team gets the credit on both sides of everything. Right, exactly. So, you know, looking again at the list of, of brokers that I look at every morning on their website, I'd say I'm on the short list or we are on a majority of these. And some of the brokers, they don't like syndicators. They just like, you know, self-paid uh, operators, meaning they're bringing in all their in-house funds. They don't have to raise the capital. Um, one group in particular, they only bring certain groups to, uh, you know, in-house fund groups, not syndicators. They won't show some deals to syndicators. And I understand that. So let's, let's touch on real quick how we found the deal. We won't get into the deal, but how we found it and tie everything in this episode together. So those broker relationships, this one individual, we met with him, we met with his boss, two different locations, two different offices, built relationships with both. And this individual said, you know, I've got some off-market opportunities I'd like to show you. Boom, 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 months down the line. Hey, Got it. Got a possible pre-market opportunity. Now, pre-market just means they're presenting it to, again, a short, short list before it goes on market. And luckily, we were on that list. We And, th and that's how we, we found this deal. And then we went through analyzing and, and bada boom, bada bing. But we won't yep. get into that in this episode here. Yep. So that broker relationship is what found us this deal. Yeah, so we've we've touched on uh, a, you know a lot of the early stages of our process 
developing these broker relationships, how to get on the short list and how that led to our first uh, accepted LOI. Um, you know, a lot of what's out there is, you know, a hundred leads, uh, 50 offers. I don't think we've written quite 50 yet. We're probably in that twenties range ish yep. right now. Yep. Um, and we, we were lucky enough and fortunate enough uh, to have one accepted. Yep. Um, you know, we, we certainly appreciate that. We're trying to uh, make sure now, and what we'll talk about in the next episode is first and foremost, we write these deals. And as we talk about this process, we're going to talk about how we put investors first. Yep. It is the number one thing that we do when we underwrite deals. Uh, so stay tuned. <laughs> yep. For, next one, for I think episode be, two in the series. Yeah. Yep. Episode two, I think we're going to hit uh, deal analyzing and, and LOI acceptance. I think that'll be pretty good to pair those two together. So uh, we, we hope you guys found this to be extremely helpful. If you can take a few minutes, head over to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating, write us a review. If you're looking to reach out to us, you can visit our website, victorycapgroup.com. You can reach out to me, Dante at victorycapgroup.com, DJ, DJ at victorycapgroup.com as well. We're always looking for feedback from you guys. If you guys do have any questions or any interest on anything we're doing, please let us know. Uh, Or if we got something wrong. Uh, Yeah. Again, we we don't claim to be perfect. Uh, We welcome the feedback. We have thick skin. We're from upstate New York. You know, we we live through an average of 120 inches of snow a year. Well, some of us used to. Yeah. <laughs> so DJs but, and brighter days. <laughs> that's right. So, but we we still have thick skin. Mine's getting a little bit thinner, but uh, Dante's is still you know as thick as thieves, right? <laughs> exactly. So awesome, guys! Thank you for tuning in, and we'll uh, see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. We hope you were able to take some value away from today's episode. For more information or to connect with Dante, visit victorycapgroup.com. See you next week.